Caldwell Medicine Review, episode 73 for Monday, November 27th, 2017. You're listening to the only podcast in the world. About to punch a hole through his monitor right now. Oh, Firefox. I had to give up on Firefox. I've had, uh, I've had enough. Cannot figure out this, uh, this resource hogs problem. Alright, on Chrome. Manually, manually selecting all of my bookmarks and pasting them into Chrome. Can you tell that I'm, can you tell that, can you sense the anger in my voice? Uh, well, welcome to the show, um, hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. The song you're listening to is called Professor Umlaut by Kevin McLeod. You can check out his royalty-free music and graph paper at his website, on his website, in his website, at incompetech.com. Oh, so what stories do we have today? I can't look at a list. Well, I don't want to open up Firefox again. I think it's something on how the uh, resources are handled too, because I have some I have similar issues with Pale Moon. I don't have the issues with Chrome or Opera. Why am I talking about browsers to you? This is a show about politics and current events. I'm just releasing some uh, frustration. Ooh, well, I am, I am unthankful. I'm unthankful for Firefox, like Colin Kaepernick is unthankful for Thanksgiving Day. Eminem is unthankful for Trump. Get into that. The White House is unthankful for mobile phones. Washington Post is unthankful for Project Veritas. Project Veritas is unthankful for the Washington Post. I'll get into that. Uh, a man who's building his own rocket is unthankful for the uh, round earth theory. I'll get into that. And uh, some other stuff. Welcome to the show. So, uh, yeah, Kaepernick um, recently named the uh, GQ Citizen of the Year, which is shouldn't be a surprise to anybody if you're familiar with GQ and, and what they do. They're also behind the Keith Oberman, uh, I don't even know what to call it, show of some sort. He sits in his, he sits in some echoey room with a ter- terrible... Red, white, and blue background. I don't know if it's supposed to look patriotic or just 
cheap. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you'd have to see it for yourself uh, at your own risk. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a mixture between laughable and sad. Let's see this man go off his rocker. His show is called what? The Resistance or something like that. Well, anyway, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, let's see. I got two articles here. One on FoxNews.com and one on the, one on the San Francisco Gate. Um, I'll read from Fox here. I think they both pretty much say the same. Kaepernick participates in On Thanksgiving Day on Alcatraz. If you don't know the history of Alcatraz, it is an island in the San Francisco Bay. And they used to have a prison there. And it was open for a while. I, I believe from the 40s into the, into the 60s. I could be wrong on that. I used to read about it as a kid. Interesting story. Um, I think the, they, they ended up closing it because it costed too much to maintain. And uh, one, one fun fact that we do remember about Alcatraz Prison was it was one of the few prisons of its time, or one of the only prisons of its time, that had hot showers. And it had hot showers for the reason uh, of possibly putting the uh, escapees into shock when they when they would jump and try to swim off the island because the, the ocean water was cold. And then, and then it went, and then, uh, yeah, it had a 19-month occupation by Native American activists from 1969 to 1971. And they do a un-Thanksgiving day to commemorate that. Well, I'll get into this article here. Colin Kaepernick, the former San Francisco 49ers quarterback, took part Thursday in the annual un-Thanksgiving day on Alcatraz Island, the San Francisco Chronicle. Reported that Kaepernick made a surprise appearance at the event. Now I'm going to open up this other... I guess the San Francisco Chronicle is the sfgate.com. I thought it was called San Francisco Gate. I don't know if it's the same thing. They have the same kind of story here. Uh, and according to the San Francisco Gate, the tradition, the un-Thanksgiving Day tradition, uh, started on uh, 1975. The annual dawn festivities, also known as Un-Thanksgiving Day. Well, anyway, probably not a major surprise to people aware of Color Kaepernick's protest that he would celebrate Thanksgiving or uncelebrate it in this manner. He tweets, our fight is the same fight. We're all fighting for our justice, for our freedom. And realizing that we're all in this fight together to make us all the more powerful. I don't see. I don't know what that means. Bunch of buzzwords. Well, anyway, people typically equate Thanksgiving Day to genocide of American Indians. Now, the story. Uh, there's different. You know, there's different stories of Thanksgiving, depending on who you get your story from, or want to get it from. There's the uh, social justice warrior so-called side of it and there's the just the side of it that says thanksgiving day is to celebrate a day of thanks originates from the pilgrims landing on plymouth rock finding an abandoned indian village uh, apparently possibly wiped out by smallpox already they met squanto squanto taught them 
how to plant corn, how to catch animals, eels, something of that nature. And others see Thanksgiving as the wars that ensued since. I mentioned Eminem. There's an article on BET.com. Eminem is extremely angry at Trump, or Trump has not responded to his BET cipher verse. I don't know what a cipher verse is. There's people that are calling it a freestyle. I thought, I always thought freestyle, I'm not an expert, but I thought freestyle was coming up with rhymes on the top of your head. Maybe that, maybe freestyle means right now is just rapping without a beat in the background. But it definitely seems scripted to me. Anyway, this article says Eminem shook the digital sphere when he spit his hard-hitting cypher during BET Hip Hop Awards. Uh, which, that language is confusing because he didn't do it at the awards. It was a video pre-recorded. And there was cutscenes, you know. You can tell it was highly edited. Uh, the internet erupted in celebration when M dropped a few bars throwing shots at Donald Trump. A lot of the internet was mocking it from what I remember. I'm going to skip down a little bit. During his recent interview, Eminem expresses frustrations with Trump ignoring his BET freestyle. I was and still am extremely angry. I can't stand this motherfucker. Sorry for the language. <laughs> I feel like he's not paying attention to me. This is his quote. <laughs> I feel like he's not paying attention to me. I'll, I'll repeat that again. I was kind of waiting for him to say something, and for some reason he didn't say anything. So there we have poor Eminem crying out to Donald Trump for fatherly attention and not getting it. Donald Trump's too busy with his job to pay attention. And to make it to poor Eminem's Little League games. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Just, I thought of that on the spot, by the way. Uh, speaking of Trump, Trump makes Pocahontas joke at event honoring Native American veterans. So, uh, <laughs> I, the, the headline made me laugh, I'll tell you the, the truth. Um, because I, I always laughed when Donald Trump called uh, Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas because she's obviously not Native American, but yet she used that to try to score points in her youth. What is the exact story on that? Uh, she listed herself as a minority in past professional directories. According to this article on Yahoo News, article by Dylan Stableford. So and you can see the video on YouTube. They don't show the video in this uh, Yahoo article. They just have some slideshow but you can see the video on youtube and uh it, it was in my opinion it was the the least funny time trump ever called elizabeth warren pocahontas because there is these there were these two uh elderly men who are native american code talkers who are being honored and trump just kind of throws that in there 
Uh, the exact quote was, you were here long before any of us were here. You know, speaking of their heritage. And then he breaks in and says, although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas, but you know what I mean. I like you because you are special. And I, you can't really tell what they were thinking. They didn't smile. <laughs> they didn't like really uh, cringe either. It was, was kind of awkward, so you can imagine how that made it into the news. They they don't like it uh, to begin with when Trump calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. So they especially didn't like it this time. Another article in the news related to the White House is a potential mobile phone ban. So apparently by uh, the policy now is employees, they have to put their phones in lockers or cubby holes or whatever when uh, attending um, meetings with sensitive information and they currently don't have phones that can text. So the White House may ban employees from using mobile phones while at work entirely, according to this article on Bloomberg.com titled White House Ways Personal Ban, Mobile Phone Ban for Staff. Article says, second paragraph down, President Donald Trump has repeatedly complained about the press leak since taking office, but one official said the Potential change isn't connected to concerns about unauthorized disclosures to news organizations. The proposed ban is instead driven by cybersecurity concerns. One official said there are too many devices connected to the campus wireless network and that personal phones aren't as secure as those issued by the federal government. So this must be just the uh, personal phones that people are bringing in that can text, I would imagine. Uh, and it, the, white, the article continues, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, whose personal phone was found to be compromised by hacks earlier this year, is leading the push for the band. Another official said. So we have this whole Washington Post versus Project Veritas stories. I have two stories here, one on the Washington Post and one the other one on ProjectVeritas.com. The Washington Post article titled, A Woman Approached the Post with Dramatic and False Tale about Roy Moore. She appears to be part of Undercover Sting Operation. This is the article I'll begin with. Article goes, uh, begins with um, a woman who falsely claimed to the Washington Post that Roy Moore, the Republican U.S. Senate candidate in Alabama, and pregnant her as a teenager appears to work with an organization that used deceptive tactics to secretly record conversations in an effort to embarrass its targets. In a series of interviews over two weeks, the women shared a dramatic story about an alleged sexual relationship with Moore in 1992 that led to an abortion when she was 15. During the interview, she repeatedly pressed post reporters to give their opinions on the effects that her claims could have on Moore's candidacy if she went public. The Post did not publish an article based on her unsubstantiated account. When Post reporters confronted her with inconsistencies in her stories and an internet posting that raised doubts about her motivations, she insisted that she was not working with any 
organization that targets journalists. So this story is they apparently followed followed her car back to the Project Veritas building. It says here, it says, uh, but on Monday morning, Post reporters saw her walking into the New York offices of Project Veritas, an organization that targets the mainstream news media and left-leaning groups. The organization sets up undercover stings that involve using false cover stories and covert video recordings meant to expose what the group says is media bias. So you can see a video on the Washington Post article of confronting O'Keefe. O'Keefe seems more willing to talk to the Washington Post reporter, but some of his staff are saying that they're busy. And then Project Veritas has their own video of them confronting a Washington Post reporter in his car. And O'Keefe asking him uh, about their tactics. Maybe I can play a little bit from each video. This is the Washington Post video of them confronting O'Keefe. Two minutes, 40 minutes, or two minutes, 40 seconds long. I'll just play a little bit of it here. How you doing? Are you James O'Keefe? Uh, why are you asking? Uh, I'm a reporter with the Washington Post. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Good. I'm Aaron Davis. Good to see you. How are you doing? So, we, um... We're walking. We're walking Sure. Where are you guys street. going? On uh, we're just going across the street. Alright. Uh... Sorry. Um... Which, which street? What's that? Which street? We're going that way. Oh, this way? Right, hey, this way. Skip ahead a little no, bit. No, we just wanted to... Uh, confirm that the woman we believe is Jamie Phillips works for Project Veritas. She showed up. She showed up here this morning. I think it's really cute that you guys are borrowing our techniques. Okay. Yeah. So, so it, you can see he's asking him about that that woman, and then he's you know, O'Keefe says it's cute that you're, you're borrowing our techniques because you know I guess they found out and they followed him back, and then that's kind of when the uh, Project Veritas employee steps in and you know says we're busy, and then. Um, the other, the other video here I'll play. Are uh, you full-time? O'Keefe, O'Keefe coming up to this, this guy in his car from the Washington, this guy from Washington Post in his car here. Did you drive all the, did you drive all the way from D.C.? I, did not, I have New York place. I didn't drive here. You live in, you live here? No. You, okay. You flew here and rented a car. Uh, rode the train. Are you, were you inspired by some of the videos we did confronting people? Because this is not something that the Washington Post does very often. <laughs> so so not, not inspired. Was it sort of a loathing, a hatred? No, neither. So you see they get a little war going on with each other. And O'Keefe's saying he's going to re release some videos, uh, some undercover videos with the Washington Post. He already released one today. Uh, a video of Joey Marburger. Um, and it's similar to the New York Times ones and other ones that the Project Veritas have done. Where they have an employee talking about the bias that they, you know, experience at work. And not major news to many people who already know that the Washington Post is biased, but still interesting nonetheless. And to see, uh, you know, the stuff exposed with evidence and outlets like the New York Times and Washington Post 
coming up with answers for the actions and things like that and trying to brush it off their shoulder. There's speculation that there's a plea deal on, on another topic, Mike Flynn, with the uh, Mueller investigation. It's an article on ABC News that says Michael Flynn's lawyer meets with members of special counsel team raising specter of plea deal. The lawyer, uh, the lawyer for President Donald Trump's former national security advisor, Michael T. Flynn, met Monday morning with members of special counsel Robert Mueller. I think it's Mueller. I've been saying Mueller all this time. Robert Mueller's team. The latest indication that both sides are discussing a possible plea deal, ABC News has learned. Trump's legal team confirmed late last week that Flynn's attorney, Robert Kilner, alerted the team that he could no longer engage in privileged discussions about defense strategy in the case. Assigned Flynn is preparing to negotiate with prosecutors over a deal that could include his testimony against the president or senior White House officials. And that's about the point in the article where any new information ends. Been following the story a little bit. Not that closely. Been following the Russian stuff as a whole somewhat closely. It usually, nothing usually ever comes out of it other than the speculation, unnamed sources, this and that, and the other. So only time will tell if shit will, in fact, hit the fan. I kind of doubt it. Just from what's known so far, given the length of the investigation and lack of evidence for the whole Russian collusion narrative so far. But here's a man looking for hard evidence, and it doesn't have anything to do with Russia. It just has to do with the planet that Russia is on. And whether that planet is flat or not, a story on AOL.com via Yahoo News. Man who claims Earth is flat says he'll prove his belief by taking flight in a do-it-yourself rocket. Science has long been the target of conspiracy theories, some of which have persisted for centuries. A man who remains convinced that the Earth is flat intends to prove it once and for all in an effort to that end will involve launching himself 1,800 feet through the sky and taking photos of the big blue ball we call home, according to a new report from Newsweek. Mike Hughes of California says he's going to do so in a rocket built out of scrap metal. According to Forbes, the trip is slated for Saturday afternoon and will take place in the Mojave Desert. So I didn't. I set this article aside before that happened, probably Thursday or Friday, so I guess I'll, I'll look it up and see the result. How exciting. Quote, I'll shut the door on this ball earth. Hughes recently promised some of his fellow flat earthers, according to the Washington Post. He also expressed a desire to expose the round planet lies that NASA and SpaceX peddle as fact. This isn't Hughes' first flight in a rocket he put together himself. In 2014, he made it about a quarter mile over Arizona before his craft crashed. He spent the following two weeks in a walker, but clearly didn't dampen his dreams. He spent the weeks in a walker or using a walker? Maybe it's a walker you put on. 
So I'm looking at this article on Newsweek. Gets into a little bit more detail. He's launching himself uh, over a California ghost town at 500 miles per hour in a $20,000 homemade rocket made from scrap metal and a launch pad consisting of a motorhome purchased on Craigslist. Okay, you got to give it up to this man. Every you know everybody wants to call flat earthers dumb, but uh, uh, how many people calling this guy dumb <laughs> know how to make a a homemade rocket that you can ride in? <laughs> And uh, make a launch pad out of a motorhome. I do have a picture of it on this article on Newsweek. Uh, the ghost town he's, he's launching is is Amboy. It has a recorded population of four. It's not abandoned. It's not a ghost town anyway. Four people. That's a that's a that's a population. The launch will involve heating some 70 gallons of water in a stainless steel tank before taking off between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. local time. He has plans to hit an altitude of 1,800 feet before pulling his two parachutes. And he says, if you're not scared of death, you're an idiot. It's scary as hell, but none of us are getting out of this world alive. <clears throat> in 2002, he set a Guinness World Record for the longest limousine ramp. After uh, driving a three-ton Lincoln Town car through 103 feet into the air, and his, uh, his previous rocket launch that was in 2014, it was 1,374 feet, so a little over 400 feet less than uh, than his current attempt. He has a sponsor uh, called Research Flat Earth. So let's, let's see how this turned out. I didn't see headlines that said the Earth was flat, so uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing nothing came out of, out of this. Let's see. Here's an article I just saw on the side, how we know the Earth is round and the Flat Earth Rocket Man is wrong. This was from today. Oh, it says he postponed. And another article on Newsweek. Man who hopes to prove Earth is flat in his homemade rocket postpones his plans. Article says, according to Hughes, the federal agency, the uh, Bureau of Land Management it's referring to, told him his experience was a no-go. But Samantha Storms, BLM spokesman, spokeswoman, said she was unaware of any communications between the self-taught rocket scientists and the agency. But she continues, someone from our local office reached out to him after seeing some of these news articles about the launch, because that was news to them, Storms told the Washington Post. The article continues, despite the setback, Hughes says his launch will go on. It's still happening. We're just moving it three miles down the road, Hughes said. This is what happens anytime we have to deal with any kind of government agency. And I'm not seeing a date. Looking through a Washington Post article as well, I'm not seeing a date for the second attempt. This one says that the, uh, according to him, the BLM wouldn't let him do it on federal land. And then reiterating that that spokeswoman said that there was no record of uh, any correspondence between the agency and Hughes, which doesn't mean they didn't talk, unless they have to keep records for everything. I'm going to touch on one more topic here. It'll be a shorter episode given some of the setbacks. 
And this article is on uh, mirror.co.uk. Time toilet breaks, impossible targets, and workers falling asleep on feet. Brutal life working in Amazon warehouse. Alan Selby went undercover at the firm's Tilbury warehouse in Essex, where ambulances are regularly called, and where workers face uh, the, the sack if they fail to pack at least two items per minute. Alone in a locked metal cage, 10 feet from my nearest colleague, a robot approaches from the shadows and thrusts a tower of shells toward me. I have nine seconds to grab and process an item to be sent for packing. A target of 300 items in an hour for hour after a relentless hour. As I bend to the floor and reach high above my head to fulfill a never ending stream of orders, my body screams at me. Welcome to Amazon's picking floor. Here, while cameras watch my every move, a screen in front of me offers constant uh, reminders of my units per hour and exactly how long each has taken. This is the online giant's biggest European packing plant set to be shipping 1.2 million items a year. As the UK's top retailer, it made 7.3 billion pounds last year alone but a Sunday Mirror investigation today reveals that success comes at a price, a daily ordeal of its workers. Article continues on here. I spent five weeks at the firm's newest warehouse in Tilbury, Essex, armed with a secret camera bought from Amazon's own website. I found a staff asleep, or I found staff asleep on their feet, exhausted from toiling for up to 55 hours a week. Those who could not keep up with the punishing targets faced the sack, and some who buckled under the strain had to be attended by ambulance crew. If I didn't mention it, this is an article by Alan Selby, the undercover subject. Article continues on, it is a far cry from the singing, smiling faces that fill Amazon's Christmas adverts on TV. I didn't see those personally. So I'm wondering what those are like. Uh, it's it's army of 24,000 unhappy elves are paid as little as 7 pence per item to help pack and deliver each one across the UK. My final shift was two days ago, Black Friday, when millions of Brits logged on to help founder Jeff Bezos earn an extra $1.8 billion overnight. But the firm has been hit by a series of scandals prompting our undercover probe. Across Italy and Germany, staff have been going on strike, complaining of low pay and poor conditions. And employees of, uh, at UK warehouses have told of sleeping in tents and under bridges just to get to work on time. They have some pictures here. Got some blurred out faces. Under one picture, it's, they have a quote, why are we not allowed to sit when it's quiet and not busy? I guess somebody said that. It's in quotes. Article continues. Time, toilet breaks, impossible targets, and exhausting intolerable working conditions are frequent complaints. Staff have been paid less than the living wage, and even emerged drivers had faced fines for early deliveries. I don't know what that's all about. And the article continues on, even talking about the lights. The plant with no natural lights is flooded with fluorescent bulbs. 
they night and day have no meaning. I think that's a lot of work or, or a lot of uh, warehouses. Two half hour breaks are the only time off my feet. But there's barely enough time to race to the canteen and wolf down some food to keep my energy up. I used to work in a production environment. I don't know how many hours. Well, I didn't work 55 hours a week. There's some weeks I have, but mostly not. And of course, they if anybody's working that many hours at Amazon, it would be during this time. I only had one, one half hour break. But labor laws in the U.S. If you have a labor type job, you are allowed. I think minimum two 15 minute breaks. Maybe it's 10. Throughout an eight hour day. And I'm searching on the front page of the Washington Post, who is owned by Jeff Bezos, who also owns Amazon. And I don't see an article here. Go figure. It reminds me of something that Jimmy Dore said. Jimmy Dore, he's, uh, he's got some progressive show. Definitely don't agree with a lot of his opinions, but he does a good job at uh, hammering um, so-called leftist news outlets like the Washington Post. I think it was him that said something to the effect that the Washington Post should put a disclaimer on all the articles about... Uh, I, don't, I don't think... Maybe he said Amazon too, but uh, what he mentioned was the multi-million dollar contract that they have with the CIA. That's regarding data servers. A contract worth $600 million. $600 million cloud service. And that will wrap it up for Caldwell Madison Review, episode 73. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Next show is planned on Thursday. Have a good rest of the week and I'll hope to catch you next time.